Welcome, I'm Ruth Frenger, founder of Conscious Leaders. This podcast is all about providing you with disruptive insights from human leaders, progressive leaders willing to talk about the highs as well as the lows of business, so you can take away both their philosophy and how it plays out practically day to day. Learn about the podcast and us at consciousleaders.org.uk. This month, you'll meet Susan Glenholm. As managing partner at Debenhams Ottaway, she's an impressive person and for all the right reasons. I started by asking her just how she got to where she is now. I started as a paralegal 22 years ago at the firm, still at Debenhams Ottaway, and was then promoted to um, partner well, eight years later, um, and then decided later on to take on the role of managing partner, and I was elected by the partners um, to be in that position. And I feel it's a journey starting from the bottom, moving to the top, not one that I expected, but something I'm very proud of. Hmm. So eight years from paralegal to partner. Hmm. Wow, that's quite a... That's quite a, it seems rapid, is it? Is it, or is that? It is quite rapid. Yeah. It's something that is unusual, I think, in, in a law firm to, to be progressed that quickly. But I think I knew what the, the firm was like. Um, I really liked the, the culture, and hopefully the partners thought the same, and I think they did, and that I fitted in with that culture, and the culture is really important for us. So that's something I now want to continue into the leadership side. Mm. What's that like? Um, when you, you come in as a paralegal, you're reasonably young and inexperienced and you're trying to make your way in a firm where, you know, what was that like to sort of begin in that space? How was that for you? Well, first of all, being that young and seeing quite a lot of elderly clients because of the type of client base we had was something that I wasn't used to. And trying to give advice to someone who's a lot older than you um, when you've just started out is earning that respect and trust. Um, Trust is the most important thing because people are sharing a lot of their personal information with us as lawyers and the trust is really important to learn how to earn that and that people will continue to trust you, not only clients but your colleagues, um, the referrers that pass work to you. So it's really different from a young age to see that and to, Mm. I feel, grow up in the organisation and see what it's like to continue to earn that trust throughout Mm. your career, which um, I've always taken very seriously. Mm. And what was it like as your experience grew? I'm just sort of interested in your journey over... Yeah, as your experience grew, what what changed, what what kind of helped along the way? I was really fortunate that the partners were very supportive and still are, very much believe in looking after the people and I was given the responsibility to look after quite big clients and I was quite junior at the time but I was trusted to do that and always supported in my knowledge so I never felt that if I made a mistake I couldn't own up to that. Um, The partners would always say, that if you do well you get the credit if you do badly then the buck stops with us and it's part of our training that we didn't train you if you didn't do well that's because we didn't train you well enough rather than it's your fault yeah that's a really nice principle so that was really drummed in as like you're kind of safe basically and I feel really fortunate that I had that because a lot of my friends didn't and Mm. they were made to feel if they did something wrong that it was their fault and they shouldn't have done it whereas we were looked at as one team and how do we look for a solution to the problem rather than you've got it wrong and you should be the one suffering Mm. it was a joint solution that we came up with and how do we look at this together rather than just Mm. one person having to suffer yeah, we talk about psychological safety quite a lot on this mm. podcast and creating safe environments. And that seems like 
right from the beginning is like if it goes wrong it's our fault not yours like that's pretty profound and it really did create the psychological safety and that's something now that I want to continue because I always experienced it throughout my career and I feel very fortunate that this was a firm that believed in that and Mm. that goes back to the culture that the culture is very supportive with believing that the credit goes to you when you do well and it makes you then take the responsibility very seriously because you don't want to let down the people who are supporting you mm. um, and you don't want them to feel that they the buck does stop with them because of you mm. so you then are much more responsible and do you think that's common in law like you know obviously this is a, you know potentially sweeping generalizations but <laughs> but what do you think it's like in the industry and maybe sort of versus of 30, 20, 10 years ago, are things changing as well? What's it, what's it like? Different in the- sizes of firms and different type of client base um, in a more corporate environment. I think it may not be like that. I have friends who are in the corporate environment. It's very much you are on your own. Um, you have to fight for what you get, eat what you kill. It is a much more cutthroat environment in some firms. I think people are realising now that actually that's not the way forward. It is much better if you can be more supportive. But in a firm like Devon's Otway, I think we are much more um, in tune with how people's real lives are and how people feel. Did they set out to actually make that mistake or did they just make that mistake? Um, and do they feel bad about it? And most people will feel bad about it, so you don't need to make them feel worse yeah. by doing that. They'll take it on themselves. Yeah. 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 I remember when we met Susan, we met at a gin tasting event. It's an almost shame <laughs> gin tasting event. And I distinctly remember me having to do quite a bit of digging before I found out that you were the managing partner. And, and it was, it, it, you were talking about your role, like, oh, I do, you know, some legal stuff or whatever. And, and then in the end, I was like, oh, right, so you manage all of the partners. You look after them all. And, I, and uh, it struck me that you were very um, modest and, yeah, just kind of not particularly... Um, ego-ish or, or interested in kind of showing off in any way to the point that it took me a while to figure out <laughs> what it was you actually did and I, I think um I think you were fairly new to that role then that was probably about three or four years ago now I would think yeah so but, I've been in the role for for three just coming up to three okay. or just past three years now and yes yeah, so I think that's my style that it is quite understated and I I like to quietly do it. I don't need the the fanfare. I don't need to say, look at me, look what I've done. I'd rather that it's shown in the people Mm. that they are feeling empowered because of something that I've done. So I've never really wanted to, I don't feel I need to be in the limelight and Mm. shout that this is what I've done because it shows what I have actually done hopefully comes through in something else and something that our people say about us. Through the people, yeah. Mm. And it's... um. I do see it, but it's not that common, actually. I find even even some of the best leaders are still quite the kind of front men or women of there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously you are in many ways. It's just that you're you're doing it from a more facilitatory place mm-hmm. as opposed to a... And that's um, my natural style, I think. If I need to lead it, I will, and yeah. be there, and particularly during the pandemic, that was something that the, the firm, the team, needed leadership and wanted us to provide guidance, and I'd step up to do that. But I also want people to feel that they can do it, and I know that they can do it, and I think one of my ways of leadership is that I can see what people need and whether they are actually 
able to do something I think I could spot before they can spot um, mm. and making them believe that they can do it mm. and that was something I again was very fortunate my dad was very good at that as well making me believe that whatever needed to be done I could do mm. and it felt that it was like having that hand behind your bike that you know that you can cycle but someone will still catch you if you need that but you can still go off and try it and have a go. And what sort of examples does this apply to, like in a work situation? How how does that play out, that kind of, the fact that you're showing that kind of faith in others? In my team, there's um, a few examples where some people didn't, for example, do that area of law. Um, they only dealt with certain types of law and I knew that they could do a different type of law, but they didn't have that self-belief. They thought, well, I've always done this type of law. I'm just going to do this. I will stick to this and I said why don't you just try it and see I'll support you with it I can teach you how to do that we'll work together on it and actually now they are much more the the knowledge is much wider and they can look after different types of law or just even starting from like general office for example they're in the general office role and then they become a solicitor and Mm. giving that support to someone believing actually you can do it we have had people starting from general office now um, solicitors and hopefully partners one day but they thought when they started I don't know if I can do that Um, but we've supported them to get that Mm. and they don't believe it necessarily as they're going even as they're doing it they don't necessarily believe it yeah I do is this a British thing as well this kind of low self-confidence sometimes like but also I think it's a female thing as well mm. but um, you always go for it if you're 100% good at it rather than I'm sort of maybe 90%, but that 10% plays on your mind. Um, but people just need to try. I yeah. Think. Yeah, um, and I know you're a great advocate for, for women in the profession and women in business in general. Um, yeah, how does that play out for you? I feel really proud to be a female managing partner in a legal industry where it is still very male orientated and to be different with that. Not just saying that you will be different, but actually being different Mm -hmm. with half of our partners being female is really special, I think, to see that. Um, Everyone just gets on and does the the jobs that need to be done, and we work very well together. And I hope that is an inspiration to younger female um, people who want to be lawyers. And I see that when I do uh, the managing partner induction with our new starters, that they hopefully see that they can one day be managing partner. And I, when I started, we had a female managing partner 22 years ago, which was really unusual in law. Mm. And I remember thinking that that was great, that she had a family, she was managing partner, she hadn't sacrificed anything to be where she was. And... I thought that was a really nice way of of looking at at life, that if you want to do it, then go and do it. Mm. When you're sort of recruiting as well, are you actively looking for quite a balance in recruits and, or to even, you know, um, to, what's the word, where you, you're kind of effectively, I don't want to eat this, a lawyer's not going to answer this very well, positively (laughs) discriminate was what I was going to say, but but are you actively encouraging women to um, apply? We are. Well, we encourage all different people to to be applying. Mm. So it is a firm where your opinion is respected, it's heard. We want to see something different. So I think um, from my background that it's a multicultural background Mm. coming to as a female um, person again. But it isn't just the female side. Um, It's it's anyone who who feels that they can do that. Mm. Um, We take the culture very seriously. So it is more about fitting into the culture. So the culture is very much 
you have to be supportive and want to do things together. Um, it isn't just I'm in it for myself and I, as long as I'm okay, that doesn't matter about anyone right. else. So it has to be fitting into the culture of we are one firm, one team. Um, and as long as you can fit into that type of culture, it doesn't matter who you are. Mm. Um, and that you want to work with like-minded people yeah. um, who are all, we're all aiming for the same outcome. We just need to get there. To yeah. Work. And is there ever, because I can see the culture is very strong, which is, which is great. You talked about one team, but you're also talking about things like promoting people to really believe in themselves mm-hmm. and go to places that they haven't got the experience, but yet they'll get it by being there. Does that ever backfire? Are you, is it, are there ever times when people are either too big for their boots or it's just, it seems like, what I notice with, with companies where they allow a lot of autonomy or that, that, that there is a balance then to sort of then manage that. And I wonder how that is for you. We found that people sometimes don't think that that culture is right for them. They want something different and that's fine. Uh, we believe in the culture, we want that to stay. And if someone doesn't feel that that culture is right for them, then they have moved on and they've gone to a different firm that does mm. have that, um, what they, the drive that they want or whatever. Right, more individualistic or whatever yes, it is. That, yeah, whatever yeah. they think isn't here. But I don't think you will ever please everyone with that. Mm. But I do believe that the culture's got to come from every single person in the organisation. It's not just my belief of this is what's happening. Everyone has to believe it and everyone has to understand it. Mm. And we've been very clear in what the partner's vision is, what we want to achieve as partners and making sure that the staff know that. And if they believe something different and they don't think it's right, then they tell us. Mm. We might not get it right for everyone, but I'm always willing to listen to somebody and learn from them because I don't think I've got all the answers. I don't know whether it's a culture that everyone will fit for everyone else. I think it's something that has worked very well for us and I want to see more of it, mm. but it might not suit everyone and that's okay. So you've got the kind of strong culture. There's a lot of investment and awareness of others' potential and their growth. How else do you support people um, in that way? Are there any other kind of policies, the way you train people or ways that help um, that help others grow in the firm that may be a little bit more, more than the average? We don't believe in just doing the legal side. So you get all your legal training, you get all the skills that go with legal training, but actually you've got to also be a person. So we believe in giving a lot of training towards um, how to deal with difficult clients, for example, mm. um, the, the social skills around that, the empathy, how you how you handle yourself with, with people, and also getting to know people internally. So we're launching this week, actually, um, a buddy initiative where we're pairing mm. all of our lawyers together, and that's at every level. Um, so from partner to, um, to newly qualified and trainees are in that as well. And hopefully it's a chance for everyone to get to know each other better because it means then you're then that one team. So the training around that, they'll be meeting regularly, um, how they get to know each other, how they share clients with each other. We're launching all of that this week to try and make sure that everyone is speaking to each other because Mm. it can be, quite especially with the pandemic, that people are not in the office all the time, you don't see each other as much, but you are one team if you have at least a group of you getting together fairly regularly, not just in your own team, but across the whole firm. Mm. So kind of senior 
and junior yeah. people coming together to kind mm. of co-support each other mm. and sharing mm. your experiences as well mm. so something that you might have dealt with a difficult client and how did you handle it or you might have a referrer that passes work to, to one person in the business but not to the rest of the business why do they not know about us and exploring that right so it helps more. the wider business yeah mm. yeah and it is um i mean i may have expressed to you before but it's the topic of well-being is quite often divorced from the day-to-day so mm. it's like you said it's like a, a week of activities or it's um quite often people people are like oh yeah we do mental health first aid and we've got a couple of representatives in the company and i'm like all right okay is that is that it you know because it it's not that it is like old box ticked right whereas well-being really is the same thing as productivity and it affects business performance and is about is about things like how your manager treats mm. you mm and how your colleagues treat you and how you feel at work mm. that's well-being mm. it's it's not like necessarily like a bit of mental health first aid with someone you may or may not want to speak to yeah. in the company mm. well, it's um, every day isn't it it's every day and checking in on people that's something we did a lot during the pandemic calling people up the people who are in i would make sure I check in with with them check that they're, they're okay mm. and and just say how see how people are doing it's not just the legal side it's yeah. just being human isn't it and yeah. seeing how people are every day and and i really enjoy that side of it i want to get to know people i take that very seriously um how people are feeling whether they feel happy at work is something i take very seriously and if there's something that i can do to make it their lives better at work you spend so much time at work if you're hating it Mm. And tell me why and if I can do something to change it then I'll try and if I can't I'll tell you as well mm. um, and it's being honest about that that if if there is something different and we can't help with that then people have to make their choice mm. yeah absolutely and um, I wondered whether it's so as a leader in the pandemic you've you've led in a kind of a probably more visible way because mm. you've recognised that people need that you to, to step up and um, going forward where do you see your leadership going where do you see it sounds like to me you're a real connector mm. you know you want to get and sense check how yeah. everyone's doing as well as the work mm. and you want them to know that they have huge potential mm. and they can go far and they can have your job one day yes you know yeah, um, things like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. give you a few years but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah what, what do you have any like dreams and visions about where you want to take it um Beyond. Continuing from that, empowering the people, but like you say, that they are one day able to lead the firm and that I can step out knowing that they can lead the firm. And that was something that I felt I was given that opportunity to be able to do. And I never thought that it was something that I would enjoy doing, but I have enjoyed that. So making someone else now, the next generation, able to take the firm forward. Mm. That is where my next priority is, to leave a legacy, and that I I take very seriously now, that I want the firm to be in better shape, that I hand it to the next generation in better shape, and that they are able to take it forward even more than than I did. Mm. And I now feel that that's my responsibility now, to hand that the firm to the next generation you are only a custodian of it in your time and it is just making sure that it does well while you're doing that but it can do even better with the people coming behind you mm. it sounds like you have kind of a sense of service to mm. the firm 
Yes, and I, I, it goes back to I was trained by the, the Debenham brothers, and so um, Richard and Chris, were their name is above the door, I take that very seriously that they trained me, and I want the firm to continue in the way that I was, was given that, and I feel responsible for making sure it does well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a big responsibility, I take it very seriously, and I want it to do well, and, and I really do love the firm, and I love my job, and, and that's what I like doing to see that it will do well for the future is really important to me mm. and that level of responsibility that you that you bear mm. does that ever weigh heavy on your shoulders is that ever tough it is I think when you come into the office and you know that people are looking up to you for that guidance mm. um, and they're looking for is everything going to be okay during the pandemic I didn't know that and nobody knew that and I had to still lead to make sure that everyone felt that everything was going to be okay. Mm. But I didn't necessarily didn't know. know. Yeah. And and that was quite scary because we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. We've never been faced with anything in our, well, any of us had, had we. Mm. So it's making sure that even though there's something that's unknown, that you still have the safety that someone will hopefully be there for mm. you. But I wasn't sure myself. So it was yeah. quite scary. <laughs> and, what, and how do you cope with stuff like that if you're I'm just wondering you may may or may not want to recall this but you know what what the toughest moment Mm. in the pandemic perhaps Mm. like what's going through your mind how do you look after yourself what what's what's there just trying to separate what is the issue with what are you worrying about because the worrying part is always going to be the worry part that you don't know if that's ever going to come true so actually dealing with facts and can we control what's in front of Mm. us and there was a lot you couldn't control but there was no point trying to control it Mm. so we knew for example our, our property teams nobody was moving so we knew that was going to close down completely because you weren't allowed to move but we were very lucky that we had private client teams who were very busy and that is the whole point of a partnership that you had the different teams your eggs are not all in one basket they are spread out but I didn't know that property would come back it obviously came back with a vengeance with the stamp duty holiday and they were inundated with work but we never we didn't know that this time last year we were almost at the cliff edge thinking what is going to happen to the property market is it going to survive is it going to be okay but you had to trust that the firm has been here for so many years and we will get through this and I had to just believe that and go forward believing that. Mm. And what, what else is kind of challenging in your role like what what what's the toughest stuff you have to deal with either personally or as a as a, a team? Now it's a lot better. The hardest bit is recruiting um, the right people to be in the right roles. So we have really good clients, really good work, but trying to find enough people to be able to, to do that. I think most lawyers are struggling with that, law firms, um, trying to recruit the right people. We're all looking for people, so mm-hmm. everyone's in the same market. But at the beginning, at the start of the, the managing partner role, trying to get everyone into their right positions. So the main challenge I had as managing partner was making sure that everyone was doing the right role. So when I started, we only had the RHR director, Alex, and everyone else in in the business support team wasn't in place at the time. So I was checking on the boilers, the IT, um, any small job that was around the support of the, the business 
fell to me and Alex and now we've got a facilities manager, IT manager, we have all the areas covered with our director of client services, compliance manager um, and our finance manager at the time wasn't in the right role so making sure that the business is supported and I don't think that's easy to do until you have the right team behind you. Mm. Yeah. We were talking just before this about um, that article, the Harvard Business Review article about women doing office housework. Mm. I was curious you were doing the boiler. Yeah. (laughs) The managing partner. Like, um, yeah, what do you think about women picking up the, you know, those jobs that, that that office housework Mm. stuff? Well, I think it's called emotional labour and um, it's something that some people think the fairies do it. Um, mm. We are very much a partnership who, um, because of maybe, maybe it is because uh, it is more female, everyone just gets on and does the job and um, I think you just you just do it. It needs to see a job, needs to be done. And we so there's a culture of that as there well. Is, yeah, yeah, there is much more now. Um, mm. And I think it is not, well, it's not my job. It's this job needs doing, someone needs to do it. And that's what I feel with the business support team as well, that they are all very much can-do people and doers, and they want to just get on and do it. And help it. And that sometimes can be a bit of a challenge because they want to move so fast and the lawyers maybe aren't ready for that because they're still trying to do it with their client work. Right. But when you've got a very can-do business support team, they're ready to take to this even yeah. faster. Yeah. And you sometimes, I have to rein that in a little bit to keep up with the pace of the organisation mm. and that sometimes can be a challenge because you've got really motivated people who want to keep doing more but you know that the business needs to catch up. Mm. Is that quite a lot of work balancing different personality types and mm. stuff like that? Is that how do you find that? I love that. That's love that the bit I really enjoy okay. that the most, making sure that everyone is feeling satisfied in their job but they are working to their potential and that nobody feels that they're in that wrong role and they hate coming into work. Mm. If do you want someone to tell you if they're feeling? You do. Like, and then you can do something about it. And if you can't do something about it, then you can talk about it, can't you? Yeah. So yeah, no, I enjoy that the most to try and mm. see how that is. And I never thought I'd say that. That's the difference in the in my journey that I always thought I wanted to do law. I'd always do law and that's what I, I would mm. end up doing. But actually with the managing partner role I've seen the completely different side to being in a law firm and I actually enjoy that. Mm, sort of lot. managing people's mm. needs and things. It's managing mm. people. I much prefer that side of it. Mm. Um, and I still obviously do the client work, but I do enjoy managing people, trying to get the best out of people to see what they can do with their team, their pod, their type of work, seeing if we can take it to a different level. Mm. And when you pan out and think about your industry and like particularly women in your industry, what do you see? What should we be doing? What's, you know, we talk about this stuff a lot and I'm wondering like, you know, what, where are we at? What's next? I'd like to see us actually doing it. So we have the diversity side of things, the, the women, um, Women's International Women's Day, but then everyone just goes back to normal after that. It's all of these things, isn't it? It's the wellbeing, it's the Women's Day, diversity, everything that's, oh, well, we've done it for that day and then we'll just go back to normal when it's actually doing it, saying it, living it do, mm. through, throughout the whole Really embedding thing. it. Yes, and I'd like to see the legal profession moving into that way much better than we ever were. And seeing younger lawyers coming into the profession thinking they can do it mm. and they can still have a family and still be in leadership positions, that I feel is something I can hopefully inspire others to do that, that you can still 
do the leadership position and still be female, have a child, mm. and and you can fit that all in. Because it, it does seem sometimes with women's events there is a lot of women there, mm. you know, sort of preaching to the converted. Mm. Um, there is a movement to help bring men allies on, or mm. you know, in general allies for lots of causes, both around race and and gender and stuff like that, but. Otherwise, it's just like we're talking to each other. Mm. Well, we have got our younger lawyers are very hands-on dads, and that's really nice mm. to see. So quite a lot of our mm. um, of our partners, new partners, are they are um, dads, and they do take that very seriously, and that's really nice to see. So they can share that with other women. If they can get yeah. involved as well, and they are doing that. And yeah. a few of them do go to the women's networking okay. days and yeah. they feel quite at, they see now what it must be like for women yeah um to be in a room full of women and they they can see it from the other side mm. which is nice and is that reflected with like paternity policy yes or? yes we have exactly the same um policy for um for male staff as well as the female staff okay so they can take the same leave they if can, the yes, woman's if going back to work to, yes. that's fantastic um, so but some are choosing to do that and it's nice to see and i'd like to see more of that in mm. our profession because it is now balanced and i had with my husband that we did share looking after my daughter and that happens a lot now and i'd like to to be able to encourage to it encourage it yeah yeah absolutely and i guess just to sort of sum up really is how, how do you look after yourself because you're supporting a lot of people, you've got your partners, you've got all the junior staff, you've got facilities and um, the kind of balance with their go-getting nature with, you know, all the boxes we need to tick yes. first uh, on the other side. And, um, you know, how, how do you look after yourself when you're... Yeah, in tough times. Go to gin tasting. Gin tasting. <laughs> <That was laughs> Very wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, generally I think it's trying to shut off from work. I, do, I don't see it as work and home. Okay. I just, I, I really enjoy my job, so mm. I don't feel like it's a job for me. I just enjoy it. So it is that shutting away from it. I don't feel like I have to have anything in a box to feel like I'm relaxing. Um, I really do like my job, so um, it is something that I don't want to do it 24 hours a day, obviously, but um, I do spend a lot of time with my daughter, um, taking up tennis recently mm. with her. I'm yeah. not as good as her. She's much better. So um, so it's things like that, trying to just get away from your screen all the time and do something slightly different, see my friends a lot um, and socialise quite a bit just to, to do something away from your desk and yeah but I do try and go go to the gym do all of those sort of things that take your mind off it every now and again but I don't see it as I I need to separate it because I actually enjoy it. Thank you Susan I love the subtlety of your approach it feels like you're a leader who really makes it your mission to serve others and give them the spotlight this I really admire. I'm Ruth Renger and you've been listening to the Conscious Leaders podcast showcasing the human side of great leadership so you can learn about what it's really like and gain both philosophical and practical takeaways. To learn more about us and what we do to help leaders build a calm, collaborative and productive workplace, visit consciousleaders.org.uk.